0: back to another episode of the pioneer cast i'm jenny Grayson, as always your are ross ross how you doing today buddy
1: i am tired
0: <laughs> i don't know why i expect a different answer but you shouldn't uh, i guess i guess it'll it'll continue to be funny for a little while or whatever but anyway big day today we're gonna be covering um pretty much one subject for the entire cast tonight but we're gonna be going on a lot of different angles with it it's a big subject yeah, it's a big subject. We had a banning of three cards today, but before we get into that, how was your weekend, Ross? Did you do anything fun?
1: Uh, you know, I, I played an IQ trying to get a couple extra points in this stretch run for the players' championship. There was one uh in the Star City Game Center, which was convenient. Uh so the Lotus Boxers also came up to for uh to help out Collins. He's he was searching for some points and they were blocking for him. Uh ended up picking up one point, lost to um you know, my, my opponent hit a good draw at the end of game three in the in the top eight. And uh unfortunately couldn't go further than that, but picked up an extra point and then uh got to have dinner with the lotus box uh, guys along with um Travis Gibson and Chris McCurry two of the
0: scG employees uh so just have a fun night with them drop some pool yeah sounds like a sounds like a solid weekend I'm kind of you know I, I think it's one of the things I miss most about like you know not traveling right now for events is I miss like the camaraderie part you know like actually hanging out with people and you know, going out after events, going out before events, you know, like you, one thing I always look forward to is you and I getting a good breakfast Saturday morning, like during our buys, like right before. The, yeah. Cause you always pick out like the, the best breakfast places. So. It's a very,
1: very important part of the trip is picking out a good breakfast place to go to during your buys. That's part of the buy privilege.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we could go sit down and actually, like, enjoy a breakfast, you know, because, you know, we didn't have to play until, what, like, eleven, twelve. 12, you know, 11 or 12 most of the time. And so that was that was always really nice. Now, if I go to SEGs, I have zero buys, which is, <laughs> uh, that's not going to be fun the next time I play in one of these, which I'm going to play in some, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's not going to be fun, but we'll uh, see. I was trying to think about what I did this weekend. I, like, hung out with the family um, got some really authentic Latin food this weekend. Good Lord, that was good. Oh my God. You've been talking to me about sopapillas and tacos for like three days now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still eating leftover pupusas. Like, they're still, like, it was funny. The guy's like, you know, what do you want to eat right now? And well, we got up there and I was like, all right, I want like two of this, one of that. And like, she'll have like two of this and like something else like that. And I'm like, Natalie's parents are with us. You know, uh, Natalie's my wife from at home. And, um, you know, we ordered all this food. And then you know we finish it. I'm a quick eater, so like I you know they're still eating. I I just like stuff my face, and I walk back up to the thing, and I was like, all right, I'll take this, 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 and this or whatever. And uh, the guy's like, he just gives me the, the look up and down, you know, because I'm a, I'm a skinny dude, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, we're 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 bringing home stuff. I'm like, this this is our meals for like the next two days. Papusas are great for breakfast. love that stuff. You know, the sofa, the, the homemade sofapillas were amazing. God, All right. I need to stop talking about this. I'm, I haven't had dinner yet. So it's just making me very hungry. I um, had like a late lunch or whatever, but
1: there's a Nicaraguan place up on Williamson road in Roanoke and they make good baleadas. You're making me think about getting some of those.
0: All right. So I'm going to come visit sometime soon. We're going to do a couple episodes of versus together and we're just going to eat a bunch of food. I want to gain like five or 10 pounds on the trip. Is that, is that cool? I, I can arrange that. All right. And then uh, I'll do the same when you come down here and visit in January or whatever. So perfect, dude. maybe we could do the, uh, I just thought about this. If you do actually come down here, maybe we can just do the episode like in the same room. And that might be kind of weird for the mic, but. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyway, so uh, kind of a big announcement in Pioneer today. So um, when Wizards talked about this and announced this format, one of the announcements was, "Hey, there's only these five ban cards, the Fetch Lands, but we're going to monitor this aggressively and we're going to ban aggressively." And so we heard that every Monday there's going to be ban announcements, which is you know kind of stressful, but at the same time makes sense, right? It lets them kind of be heavy-handed with the format right away. And boy, were they heavy-handed right away, Ross. Uh, we got three cards pushed out the the very first Monday. Yeah. I mean, you know, the format is, what, two weeks old? Yeah, about two weeks. Uh, it feels a lot older because, you know, Magical Online people have just been going ham on this format, but...
1: So two weeks old, three cards gone. We have banned Deceiver, Exarch, Mox, Emerald, and Ponder. Oh, wait. I see what you did there. <laughs> three very powerful Magic cards. Yeah. Uh, what are they actually called? They are Felder Guardian, Leyline of Abundance, and Oath of Nyssa.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, like just looking at this, they took the two best decks, or the decks that have been putting up the best results and the most numerous results, and gave them the axe, right? I think the Felder Guardian is the one that people saw coming the most, right? Like, I think that's the most, like there's a lot of talk on Twitter and you know, people are like, this is my list, this is my list, like this is what I would have on the watch list, or this is what I would ban. And Feldor Guardian, or Cat, or whatever you want to call it, was the most ubiquitous answer right like that's what you know you would see the most right i think you could agree there yeah
1: no definitely.
0: yeah oath of nissa i think if anybody follows me on twitter i joked about i didn't joke i, I legitimately said i kind of wanted oath of nissa and uh once upon a time out as my you know things so not surprised to see oath of nissa ley that one's a little surprising i've seen people mention it and stuff but this is definitely the one that was like probably the one that we saw coming the least out of the three at least for me how about you
1: uh, I I definitely saw people talking about leyline. Um, I I personally was not quite on this bandwagon. Um, I I think I understand why. You know, the green devotion deck was right up there with you know four color copycat as the best performing deck over the first two weeks of this format. And uh, we we have some data now. There's been a moto PTQ, two moto challenges, and then the Nerd Rage Gaming event in Madison. And across those four events, you know, it, those were fought, those two decks had separated themselves by a pretty clear margin. And for anyone who watched, you know, these Green Devotion decks, and there was a couple different builds there was the, uh, you know, Simic list with Hydra Crisis that I originally played on Versus Live, and then Todd Anderson's recent list that he took to a finals uh, loss in the PTQ that then got replicated over the weekend. There are a lot of people who just took his list because that PTG was on Friday and played it over the weekend and also did well. I think Todd's list was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. And Agreed. from watching that deck, it, it very clearly looked like it was doing things that were a level ahead in terms of power level, at least one, uh, of the rest of the format. And later Yeah,
0: it on, definitely seemed like it was doing... It definitely seemed like it wasn't playing the same magic as a lot of the decks, right? No, things
1: like Turn 2 Nissa. And yeah, that's you, not okay. <laughs> yeah, turn forward 20 power crises and things like that. Uh, we're just, you know, that that's kind of absurd. And the deck's most explosive draws were all facilitated by Leyline, which not only turned your mana creatures you know into awesome things, turned when your lands got animated by Nyssa, they tapped for extra mana, and gives you two free pips of devotion for Nykthos to supercharge that aspect of your deck, and it did it all basically for free. So, and it, on top of that, it, it's an, a castable card, you know, reasonable, and provide you a mana sink. You know, if you draw all mana, and, and mana creatures, maybe they thought to use your big payoff or something like that, your, your, your three or four mana creature draw can dominate the battlefield because you're activating Leyline once, maybe twice a turn. So it, it did a lot of things for the deck that really were the things that pushed it ahead. And if we think that, you know, these two decks were significantly more powerful in that, you know, one has a combo that ends the game on turn four, and one ha- you know is just generating so much mana by turn four that it's overwhelming people. The, so they have this you know power level that needs to be held in check, and then con- a consistency level that needs to be held in check. The Felidar Guardian and the Ley Line you know, both check the power side of it, and the Oath of Nessa checks the consistency side of it. So they tackled it from both angles, which tells me that they were serious about nerfing these decks.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely got to agree with you there. And we can go even further than that, right? Like, not just those two top decks. Like, when you look at Oath of Nyssa, this is a player in pretty much any deck that could cast it in this format. Like, you're looking at Cathis Combo, something we'll be getting into a little bit later when we talk about, like, you know, the losers for, for losing these cards. You're looking at Oath of Nyssa in, you know, pretty much any deck that's got Planeswalkers in it and green mana. I mean, like, this card is very good. It, it just felt like this format's Ponder. You know, you get to, like, replace itself um there's even some decks that were playing a bunch of it with the you know for the ability but plus like getting into the into the graveyard was good right like just getting different card types in your graveyard yeah. you know getting yeah. cards into your graveyard for, yeah for delving anything like that so you're seeing this in just tons and tons of decks like you're seeing energy with like copycat in it and you know for othentessa kind of tying it all together etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's not just these two decks that they're nerfing they're just taking out a very ubiquitous card in the format because That's also another reason to ban a card. It's not just on power level. Like, they don't want to see the same card in every deck, right? Well, we'll not talk about standard, but in other formats, you know, they don't want, you know, like, do you remember when, what was it, Dismember was in every deck of a top eight of a Grand Prix and people were calling for like Dismember bans
1: or whatever? Yeah. Pro Tour, things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You had like, you know, 30 copies or whatever, like 20 something copies in the top eight of of a card that is one color, right? And so, you know, I'm just like, while we're talking i'm kind of just like scrolling through decks because uh you know getting ready for this i have i have up all the events you mentioned like the challenge the ptq and the energy ct uh as well and every deck that can cast it like i'm just i'm seeing oath of nissa and i like the point that you made i think the most important thing was you know we don't want to destroy this deck right like you can still play devotion decks and we can get into that in just a second you can still play these devotion decks but like they're not going to be as consistent as they were. And that's a good thing. Like, you know, you don't want it approaching Tron level where, you know, they just always have Tron on turn three, you know, with the redundancy that's in that deck. Like, that's not something they want in this format. You know, you still get to play the card Nykthos, which is arguably, you know, the most powerful card in the deck and the card that a lot of people were talking about. I'm kind of happy they didn't ban this one and that they banned Oath of Nyssa instead, or they banned of Set. And like, there's a lot of people with the, the kind of, the conversation of oh, Leyline and Oath are dying for Nycthos's sins. The thing is, is like if you take out Ny- Nythos, you're kind of hurting a lot of cool decks in the format, right? And yeah, I, I will say this. There's a very good chance that what we see with Nyctos is kind of what we saw with Hogak, that like it gets cards banned before it gets itself banned in the future. But you take this out of like the cool red devotion decks, right? And the black devotion decks. And you know we haven't we've seen mono blue do well in like one tournament but like not really since and like you may want you know nick in there plus you've got to believe there's a lot of devotion stuff coming in the new set coming up when we re, when we re go back to theros so it kind of makes sense that they leave nick a lot uh alive in the format do you think that's like something that had to you know, kind of come down from Wizard. Do you think they were thinking along that lines, or do you think Nixos is definitely something they they maybe should have banned?
1: I won't say should have. I think Leyline cuts into the deck's explosiveness a, a fair amount, and I'm I'm happy to see them take a card that isn't going to completely, uh, you know, remove the deck from viability, and instead try to push it back down to an acceptable power level. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I think Nykthos enables a lot of other cool decks that they didn't want to hit in terms of splash damage, especially this early in the format. So I think being a little bit more surgical and precise with the cards that you're targeting, um, you know, Felidur Guardian and Leyline, both not a ton of um, of splash damage from those. Oath of Nyssa, a lot of splash damage, but also not a super key card in these archetypes. It's just a card that, like, it's not going to kill them, but it's going to reduce their consistency and their efficiency. Uh, So, you know, they'll still exist. So that's an acceptable level of splash damage uh, in order to reduce the key consistency of these top decks. Um, You know, there's something to be said for Oath of Nyssa being a mana fixer as well. In a format where the fetch lands are banned in large part because of how easy they make mana, Oath of Nyssa was doing that. You know, we saw four-color copycat. It either finds the necessary land you need to cast things or just lets you cast all these different colored Planeswalkers uh, with whatever mana you happen to have laying around, so I don't think they were that happy with having a you know a four color deck uh, roaming around that early in a format that is ex- explicitly supposed to be powered down in terms of its access to consistent mana. Uh, but I also agree that like they're protecting certain cards that help them in other ways. You know, Nikthos will certainly play well with cards from the upcoming Theros set. It's also very clear that they were has uh, you know wary to ban any card from Throne of Eldraine you know, since it's a still a standard legal set, still in print, you know, they want to sell their, their booster packs and booster boxes. So a card like Oath of Nissa gets the axe instead of up Once Upon a Time when they're doing very similar things, um, you know, and, and a card like Oko that we've seen a lot of uh, is still around. Um, so, you know, the, the, those factors that have helped dictate what cards get banned uh, in other formats, when we've seen it in Modern and and. Where you know they were hesitant to ban Hogak because it was from Modern Horizons, but eventually had to. That's still present here. That's not going to change because that's sort of ubiquitous. That's the business side of things. But it's clear that where they separate is that they're a little bit more aggressive in actually banning you know cards, but they're still going to ban the same types of cards.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's actually a really good point. And so, like, let's kind of hit this like as an overarching thing. So we've kind of talked about each one of the cards. Um, You know, we don't really need to go into like cat too much. You know, everybody knows, you know, like having an infinite combo like that isn't always the best for formats. You know, everybody remembers if they were playing at the time, how bad Splinter Twin was and annoying it was to play against. I don't like the fact that you have to come prepared for it. You just have no choice. You know, like uh, it kind of warps the format around it.
1: There's a stack that actually doesn't play a large number of creatures. So they were playing mana creatures, Gilded Goose and various elves. They were playing their fourth Eladar Guardian. And they usually saw maybe some trackers, maybe some uh, rogue refiners, which could like crew Heart of curin if you wanted that. But also give you a little bit of energy, in the case of rogue refiner, to enable Aether Hub to help your mana. Uh, You know, a few other value creatures, but not many. And so the creature removal wasn't great. Because it was hard to find a removal spell that would deal with both the mana creatures on turn one, which you wanted, and Felidar Guardian later on. Also, you know, having a removal spell up to deal with Felidar Guardian would be bad in the face of Sahili. And then overloading on too much removal meant you were very weak to Oko, unless you were overloading on things like Abrupt Decay, uh, which is one of the premier removal spells we saw. So it ended up being a creature combo deck that was also good against creature removal.
0: Yeah, which doesn't make sense, right, when you say that out loud? right? It's like that, that shouldn't that shouldn't be the way it is. So let's kind of tie this all together. Overall, agree, disagree, you can go with each one individually if you want. Uh, big fan of Felder
1: Guardian getting banned. I thought it became really clear that that deck was a problem. Um, big fan of something from Devotion getting banned, just so that the power level of that deck was so high. I, th- I think they chose two reasonable cards, given that you weren't going to ban once upon a time. I think you could have gone with potentially once over Oath of Nyssa um it's a slightly more powerful card but it, as long as you ban one of them like oftentimes you know having one of these effects isn't a big deal but when you start getting multiples and you reach this critical mass that's when you the problem happens so i'm, I'm happy to see one of them gone uh so overall i'm very happy with these bans.
0: yeah i think uh overall i gotta agree with these right like i'm, I'm like you uh cat seems like a slam dunk um, I'm fine with play Line of Abundance, uh, you know, did lead to the the more busted, busted draws out of that deck. Like you said, I'm very happy with Oath of Vanessa being gone. Just honestly, like cards like that make gameplay too repetitive for my taste. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it, we'll get to it in a minute. While what other cards that are kind of like this, but um, Oath of Nissa, not the kind of card I super enjoy having um, being, being a format. You know, this isn't this isn't legacy, right? Like you don't have you know, Ponder, Preordain, Brainstorm. And like this This card was kind of it getting to the point of being like those cards, you know, just put into all these decks because they can cast it and then it just fixes all the problems. Um, I think a good analogy is it's it's sort of like that. Like it's sort of like Ponder and it's sort of like Arkham's Astrolabe, right? Like it's a card that replaces itself and fixes your mana. And we've seen Arkham's Astrolabe in what it's been doing to other formats and kind of messing them up really bad, in my opinion. You know, it's just like these four color decks that like I'm just gonna play good stuff because my mana's great. You know, because I have the card that fixes my mana and finds me things to do and doesn't really cost me that much time. You know, like Orthanista costs one mana. You know, you're gonna be doing it on turn one, which like you're not doing much else in this format anyway. You know? Like so a card like that, not a big fan, really happy to see it gone. Um we've seen Archimastral already get the ban in some formats itself. So big fan of of these going that's on that's not a
1: I, I had heard, but I think that's really apt because Arkham's Astrolabe also provides an incidental value, being an artifact for Oko or improvise, uh, or Urza. You know, Oath of Nissa also provides you know incidental value with Felidar Guardian fixing your, uh, you know, and then with uh, you know Delirium, like we mentioned, getting to your graveyard for Kethys, uh, You know, adding devotion in the devotion deck being a permanent on the battlefield, so that, that incidental you know synergy value. Uh, you know that that all adds up. In addition to being this incredibly powerful mana fixer, and making your draws so consistent uh, and your mana incredibly good, so I, I think it's a very apt description. I hate Arkham's Astrolabe. I want that card banned so badly in Modern. Um, that uh, I want to ban in Legacy after, too, but I, think I it's, just do not care about Legacy anymore. We have Pioneer. Legacy just literally doesn't. It might as well not exist to me. Yeah,
0: it's 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 kind of getting there. It's a little sad. I'm actually going to switch up the order that which we, we do stuff because I'm going to, I think it's better for us to segue into, let's just segue into cards that are on the watch list for us. So in this section, we're going to talk about cards that Ross and I think need to be on the watch list moving forward.
1: Can I make one last point before we move on?
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
1: just uh, one of the things that got me thinking on this ban is, um, you know, when the format was announced two weeks ago, it was announced that it was going to be online in you know November. And for the most part, you know, magic tournaments in paper are already set, you know, well, well in advance, and they tend to slow down towards the end of the year. There's not a ton going on in December. So the way I think it, what I think happened is I think Wizards expected it to be mainly evolving online, where they would have a lot of eternal data, a lot more data than we had uh, to be able to monitor it. And there wouldn't be a huge threat to, you know, in-person attendance numbers, which is really big for them. Uh, that especially when you start talking about bands, and so that would give them time to massage the format and work out the kinks, almost like a beta test. And because Standard is such a shit show right now, and Pioneer was so exciting, the Magic community took to it, you know, uh incredibly quickly.
0: Yeah, it literally got it got voted off the island, right? Like NRG was going to do a Standard event, and it got voted off. We were like, we're not going to show up. If you're doing Standard. We're going to play. We we will show up for Pioneer and it and they did.
1: Yeah, And then it's the invitational changed formats as well, This uh coming up in two weeks. So and so we've seen it already happen in you know, tournaments happening in paper, I think faster than Watzi expected. And I think that motivated an even more aggressive push towards banning cards than they otherwise would have done. I think a lot of people were surprised that they would ban anything this early into the format. But it's it's pretty clear that the cat combo is a problem. And even though it's only a couple of weeks in, nothing I have seen approaches some of the degeneracy from that green devotion deck in terms of generating this raw total of re- like amount of resources via an engine. You know, the sahili deck does it through just a two-card combo where you just get everything. But in terms of well, like the power of a given engine, the, the green devotion deck was just well above everything else. And, you know... So uh, I there I think it was pretty clear that these cards eventually were going to have to be banned. And, you know, maybe they would have given it a little bit more time if it was online. But with major tournaments coming up, you know, well, let's be more aggressive about it. I kind of like the aggressive ban list. You know, there's always the talk about consumer confidence and, you know, what? how does this person feel if they just bought into this deck? You know, it's two weeks into the format of people really like gone that ham buying into decks. Um, you know, I, I think the... As far as the Felidar, like Sahili deck, the rest of that shell is still going to be good. You can play Gilded Goose, to Fairy Oko, and surround yeah. you know, 30 different cards and still win plenty of games. And oh yeah, absolutely. And Green Devotion should still be around. So it's not like anybody's cards have been invalidated, which is another reason that I think the bans were quite good. I think they were very careful not to do that, which is important early in the format. But once that's taken care of, let's make sure these early tournaments are fun instead of being dominated by the couple degenerate decks that we found when everybody sort of knew that we started with this very light ban list as opposed to modern, because you know, everybody's seen in hindsight that modern starting with the heavy ban list was kind of a mistake. Uh, so now they're going on the other end, which we all was also praised, and rightfully so. and. You know, everybody sort of expected, yeah, we're going to find some things that are busted. It's not just the fetch planes doing everything. There's going to be some, you know, overpowered decks. Turns out we found them. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't have found, all, maybe we haven't found all of them yet. Maybe there's more, or maybe this is it. But I think it was pretty clear that we found two of them. And so let's just get them out of here and let's start exploring some of the, you know, more fun sides of Pioneer. I want to keep this format in this sort of honeymoon stage where you, you can build and brew and, you know, play a lot of different strategies for as long as possible. It would have been kind of annoying to just have that go away for three weeks while they gather enough data to tell you, oh, yeah, this, you know, mistake of a combo that we printed that and just completely missed five years ago or three years ago is too overpowered. And this deck that makes 36 mana on turn three, also, yeah, that's too much. You know, <laughs> pretty magic for a long time. We know 36 mana on turn three is too much mana. You shouldn't yeah. do that. You should have three mana on turn three. That's why it's turn three. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, you know, just listening to you kind of parse it all out and then like talk, you just like, you know, you could think about it, but when you sit here and you talk to someone else and you like talk it all out and you hear their opinion, and you start thinking about your own, you kind of like mesh the two. I think this format's way better off for this. Like, I think it's going to be a much better format going forward. It's going to be healthier. Um, we'll definitely talk about that more in a second, you know, about like the decks that we think are like way more viable now. And I, I think this is going to open the format up a little bit more. Like, it's less restrictive. How about that is a better way to put it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, you aren't as pigeonholed into some of your card choices, like you were saying earlier about like the specific removal that you had to play because your removal also had to be able to interact with the cat combo or needed to be fast enough to kill or Elves on the draw, you know, so little things like that. Um, yeah, I think we can move on to the next section, though, the cards that are on the watch list, um, things that we're going to be watching out for. I will say this. With the aggressive ban list, I got to agree with you. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I do think they should take a page possibly out of other games, uh, out of their playbook where they talk about stuff like this. And let's be real. We're not going to get three cards banned every Monday. And in fact, I think next Monday you're going to get no cards banned. Unless something crazy happens. Another card is banned on Monday. Yeah, I would be unbelievably surprised. But I wouldn't be surprised. And I would like if they somehow were like, look, we're not going to ban stuff, but this card is on the watch list. You know, maybe they don't want to do that because it, it like calls to it starts to put more of a spotlight on what is broken and maybe that's not something you want to do, but it helps with consumer confidence right in buying stuff and buying secondary market cards and but stuff. I don't
1: think they want to, you know, cause that fluctuation and have that effect on the secondary right, market. Right, yeah. uh, because like if they say, you know, card X is on the watch list, you know, its price goes down. And if you don't end up banning it, you know, that's a problem. Then we end up with people speculating, oh, they're not gonna ban it, try to buy it now and slow and there's a lot of issues with that, I think. And, like, right. I don't know a ton because I'm not super involved with it, but it seems like such an unregulated market that I think Wizards would prefer to you know, stay above the fray there, and I think that's a good approach.
0: No, nah, you're definitely, definitely right with that. So anyway, let's talk about some of these cards that we think might be the next ones possibly on the chopping block, even though you and I both agree that I, I don't think anything is getting banned tomorrow, or, you know, next Monday, one week from today, but the the one card that stands out to me specifically i mean i i have a couple cards i can talk about but i'm, I'm going to start with this one and then you can say one for yourself is once upon a time um anyone who's been following me on twitter last you know things that uh, you you've make it you make jokes about it all the time When we look at deck lists i have this rule in this format if your deck has green mana in it and creatures you should probably be playing for once upon a time like you had a good reason not to be playing it this card is very good and i think it's uh obscene when it's in your opening hand and if you go and look at the ban and restricted announcement, so when they when they post the um, the page on Wizards and they're like, hey, these cards are banned, they give you like little blurbs with them sometimes like why things are banned. You know, they like write a little paragraph, you know, this is why. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole paragraph or whatever to you of Oath of Nyssa, but if you go and read the Oath of Nyssa uh, reason for its banning and you just instead insert the words once upon a time instead of Oath of Nyssa, it just fits. It's like, you know, a perfect little dichotomy kind of thing going on here. And I think that this is a card that we'll see how bad these decks have been kind of neutered because of the bans, and maybe there's just no deck that is obscenely busted that plays this card, and so then you wouldn't need to you wouldn't need to ban it. But I gotta believe that if if another deck like this happens along the same kind of lines, once upon a time is a card that's going to get an axe, especially if Eldraine's not the new set anymore, because this card leads to way too many games happening the same way. Like it's too repetitive, it's too powerful early and just making sure that, oh, I always have the land I need on one or I always have the mana dork I need on one. So that's got to be my first card that I have on the watch list. What about you, Ross? So,
1: you know, I would echo once upon a time, I think we still run into the issue of, you know, banning cards that are in standard legal sets. Uh, But there are two other cards that are standard legal that, that are, I think, pretty clearly well above the power level
0: of the rest of the format. Well, well are they are they three mana and they're they're two different colors and they have a planeswalker subtype. And one of the one of the colors is blue. And one of the colors shared among the two is blue or the other is green Sorry. and
1: white. Royalty. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell um, me more. Yeah. We have Oko Thief of Crowns and Teveri Time Raveler. Both completely asinine cards. Very just, unfun. Yeah I just heinous Painous cards. Obviously, Oko completely destroying Standard right now. I think once they you know, make the decision that they clearly have to ban Oko in Standard, because they very, very clearly do, it makes it a lot easier to ban the card in older formats.
0: Ross, hold on. I, I got to jump in here. You're talking about banning it in older formats. So um, there was another tournament series that went on this weekend. Besides the energy, there was uh, Eternal Weekend. You know, and they do like Modern, they do Vintage, they do Legacy, whatever. Oko was in the winning list of every format and one of the games I watched uh, someone used Oko to animate a alpha Lotus to attack for lethal. So it was the most expensive elk in history. (laughs) So just just letting you in like we talked about this What was it I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago uh, there was a weekend where all of the challenges on magic online were won by Oko. So this card is everywhere. Yeah. And
1: so those two cards you know uh, these cards sit on the watch list, but they have to be over the top egregious in order to be banned. While they're standard legal and selling booster packs, uh, you know, like Oko has been over the top egregious for months now in standard. But like, maybe not months. I don't even know how. Le- like, I guess it's only been legal for about a month, but it's been egregious for basically the entire time. Uh, and uh, you know, they're still you know uh, really low. F- to ban the card they're gonna you know play the last mythic championship of the year this weekend in richmond and it's gonna be horrible and i'm i'm literally not gonna watch a single moment of it uh except for maybe the finals maybe i'll tune in but that's maybe you know i i don't care about standard i frankly don't care much about mythic championships but that's a separate issue but like if the format was fun and were relevant to me in any way then yeah i would tune in uh, just to see, you know, what these high-level players are doing with the format. But standard is such a horrible place, in a horrible place right now that no one else is using it. So I don't have to care about it, which is also lovely. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, that's pretty great, you know, right? Like, I know you're excited. I know you're excited about not having to play that in the Invitational oh, right? Yeah, I'm ecstatic.
1: You know, standard events aren't firing. NRG like wasn't. They were just gonna be forced to cancel a five thousand dollar tournament. Uh, you know, they had they had two people who registered like two weeks out or a week out. Two. Yeah just egregious and they're still not going to ban so i think unfortunately we're going to be stuck with all three of those cards for a little while unless they get you know completely out of control um but you know once we get into a position where they're either out of control or they've rotated out of standard yeah those three cards are all on the watch list for sure Mm. Uh,
0: another one for me uh that kind of stands out and this is something we can look at in the future because it kind of falls into the the same thing of like just being kind of heinous to play against and the play patterns uh I don't know if you go after this card specifically or or one of the other problems, but i just i hate the card Nexus of fate <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but it's not fun to play against It's not fun to watch on coverage um that playstyle's not great and I do think that this card was kind of a mistake in the in the way that they built it i mean
1: it like, at like the foil only thing I can't even believe that's a that's a thing i mean putting even putting aside my horrendous distaste for foils. And it is very high. I loathe them. Uh, okay, like it, printing a card that is only available as a foil is ridiculous. It's just comical, and especially like this one is even over the top. It's like the worst case scenario. It's a card that you're actively trying to shuffle your deck and cut to. And that's the problem with foil
0: that you can do that more often. Yeah, it's like begging to be cheated with, right? You know, we're not not accusing anyone of anything, but like, yeah, like you remember watching it on coverage and I would just love it in the chat to be like, why do they have a mountain in their (laughs) hand? And like their blue green deck, you know, because it was always, you know, the the head judge would really let them proxy it because if it's the only foil card in your deck, you can't have that. So they let them proxy it because there's no non-foil versions of this. So yeah, just not a big fan of the card in general for those reasons, but the play patterns it creates are god awful I I completely
1: agree. And this is, you know, Simic Nexus won the 390-person PTQ, which is the largest Pioneer tournament to date and most competitive. So this is the winning deck list. Also, you know, had some success at the Nerd Rage event. So this is a deck that was rising up. And, you know, Dig Through Time is an incredibly strong card in it. You know, a really good card to be casting with all that floating mana. It digs really deep for your Nexus of Fates. That's a super powerful addition to the deck. Um, so I, I agree, Nexus of Fate could definitely be on the watch list. It's definitely a card, uh, you know, it's a card and deck to watch in the coming weeks. I'm a little skeptical of it because I think it, uh, in part, benefits a lot from Green Devotion being popular because I think that matchup is excellent. Uh, you know, Todd lost right. in the finals of the PTQ and he just—I was watching it. I was watching the stream a lot of the day and he was rolling through everyone. And then he got gets the Nexus and it was just like his—he just fell apart. His deck couldn't do anything because of the, those matchups have historically been horrible for the green decks. So. You know, he just got rolled in two games. And it was sort of, it was this most anticlimactic ending I've ever seen. Like, he was going to, he had like 4,000 people watching. He's going to 13-0 this PTQ with a cold shot deck that he wrote about the previous week. Uh, and then just, like, gets the worst possible matchup in the finals, which was uh, an unfortunate way for that to end. But uh, I, I don't know how much it was a good matchup there was helping to prop it up. Uh, and I'm not sure, I'm trying to think how good its matchup would be against the, you know, Sahili. Uh, decks, you know, Teferi is obviously an issue, um, but outside of that, that deck doesn't seem particularly scary. You can buy time with your fog effects because even if they, you know, assemble the combo they're just attacking with a bunch of 1-4s so your like one piece of disruption is actually somewhat relevant um, and the, I'm sure, like, you know, anybody who plays Nexus is going to be prepared to beat some Teferis, so if that's all you're bringing to the to the table, maybe some spells on the sideboard, that matchup's probably fine too so if the deck is just good against two of the top decks, you know, um you know maybe that really helped it. And th- those decks, you know, are suppressing the decks that it's uh would be good against Nexus of Fate. That said, if you've got a deck that was good against two decks that we've already admitted were clearly overpowered, you know, maybe this deck is
0: overpowered too. It definitely feels that feels that way, right? Like it feels like it's in the same kind of boat that the those cause when when I would look at the format, right, when I'm just watching it, Monogreen Devotion and the Sahili Ride decks definitely stood out as the decks that just, like, they just kill you out of nowhere, or they have, like, eight permanents in play on turn two or three, and they have so much more mana, and your opponent's, like, making their first play on turn two, and they're playing, like, a one-three, or they're playing, like, a young pyromancer or something. You're like, dude, you're just so dead. Like, you're not even... This game is not even competitive, you know? And so this one definitely leads to some stuff like that. So definitely think that one um that's about it for me for for cards on the watch list i don't know did you have any more that you wanted to talk about
1: i've got one more that i think uh should be on the watch list i hope it stays around for a while because i i want to play with it uh it's one of my favorite cards in the format and it's smuggler's copter
0: okay so so here's what i gotta ask we haven't seen it do anything yet to warrant that is this kind of like something you think is going to start happening because of the bans that have happened in the format with, you know, possibly it feels like the format's going to slow down for sure.
1: We've definitely seen a bit of it. You know, if, if you look at like the the red decks are, main, are usually playing four well, copies we, of we it. We
0: haven't seen it like dominate some events yet. Like we have, you know, yeah, green really and
1: stuff. Have like, but the thing is we've seen it in a lot of different decks. Like almost every aggressive shell is playing this card because the shells that don't want to play it just aren't good as good because the card is so powerful. And you know one of the things that gets you know decks banned is if it you know restricts the diversity available. And if every aggressive deck has to be a Smuggler's Copter deck, then that's a problem. Now you know we'll see how good the copter decks are in this you know, new burgeoning meta game without greed devotion and without the uh, Felidar Guardian. But I do think Smuggler's Copter is one of the better cards in the format. Uh, you know, like if I were to you know put down a top 10 list, it would make that list. Yeah, for sure. Uh, incredibly powerful. And I think there's a lot of different shells that are promising that can utilize it. Um, so that's a card that they're they're going to have to watch. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of them in, in top eights. I think, it, uh, you know, the, the fact that almost every aggressive deck is playing four copies of the card is not a mistake. That's what got abandoned standard. You know, we we had red aggro decks of Copter. We had white aggro decks with Copter, <laughs> you know. Pick your flavor, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, that that's definitely here. You know, I'm looking at some of these decks here. Like most of the red decks are playing it. There's a an is it and soul deck, which is a deck I think that's underrated. That's definitely playing four copies, and it's one of the best cards in it. I see, Aractos of Vehicles was in the you know top 16 to one of these events. So uh, I think that you know those aggressive copter decks are sort of sitting on the you know tier two of the format uh right now and then post ban they're poised to enter tier one and then you start to see the issues of diversity that smugglers copter brings
0: yeah absolutely and uh i did actually want to add one more thing i i kind of forgot i think we kind of just like always have to have the asterisk on like you know our watch list of the the blue card draw spells of treasure cruise and dig through time like those are just always right like they're just waiting yeah i could see like someone at wizards with their finger over the button to ban them just sitting there waiting like come 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 on Come on, come on, Magic players! Just, just just give me a reason. That's all I'm waiting for. Just give me a reason. I'm pulling the trigger. You know, I'm hitting the button.
1: When it comes to those cards, yeah, I agree that they should always be something that you're watching out for because we've seen what happens when it's too easy to enable them. They become dominant. So we we know that we can't enable them too much because we know that the the potential is there. That said, it seems to me like Treasure Cruise is not well enabled in this format. I agree. Is it? We're playing four copies, and they're going hard to you know, make sure that they can cast them with things like "Is it Charm?" "Chart of Chorus, "Thrill of Possibility." "Strategic Planning." Uh, we've also seen crews appear in some Ascendancy decks, um, but honestly, like I haven't been that impressed by those decks, and I haven't been that impressed by Treasure Cruises. Uh, Dig Through Time, I've been more impressed by, which I think makes sense. I think in it in a format where they're both uh, really heavily enabled. Treasure Cruise is the better of the two because you just start casting it for one mana, uh, and the fewer fewer color pips is really important because the delve is not important. But when you start, when it starts being a little bit harder to enable them, you know, yeah, they're the same amount of mana; they're eight total each. But Dig Through Time fits into more reactive shells a little bit better, where you're it's easier to put cards in the graveyard by casting spells, uh, which is how you have to do it mostly in this format. Uh, and we've seen more Dig through times. We see Dig in the, the Simic Nexus shells, we see Dig in a lot of control decks, uh, and, and then uh, sometimes we see Dig alongside crews in some of these decks that are really trying hard to enable these delve spells. But right now, I think they're fine. And I, yeah, I gotta I, agree with you. So uh, I agree that they should, you know, they're sort of in the same place as Smuggler's Copter to me. You know, We've seen what happens when these cards get out of hand, so obviously they have, you know, they, they're going to be on a watch list somewhere. But right now, the evidence as we see it seems to be like the format can contain them, uh, which is good. It means people get to play with their fun cards. And that's what Pioneer
0: is supposed to be about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm like super excited about where the format's going to go from here. So let's transition to that. What are the winners and losers after the, the announcement today? I'm going to go ahead and get started with one of the decks that I think is a loser from today. And you and I were talking about this and we kind of alluded to it. I think, honestly, is it Phoenix loses a little bit? You know, this is a deck that um, I think kind of built itself. You know, week one is like one of the ones that like it looks like we've come to one of the best builds of it possible. We got to it very fast, just like we did with the other decks that have already been banned. And this deck had a good matchup versus the top two decks or not like, you know, great matchup, but it interacted well with Monogreen Devotion and had a quick clock to finish the game off. And it could, you know, definitely attack in ways and interact just enough against the Healy that it could win the game from from there too. So you're taking two natural praise out of the format for this deck and now it's not sure where it needs to be and you were talking about how you think the format might shift and might make it worse.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think the format gets a little bit more interactive from here. I think it's uh I think it's a little bit fairer and I don't think is it Phoenix wants to see that? Is it Phoenix wants the decks that aren't going to interact with its thing in the ice? Because as much as we call the deck is it Phoenix and we call it that modern, it, it, they were all they're all thing in the ice decks. Just call it. There is a thing, <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. it, it's it was thinking it was always thing in the ice. It's always always thing in the ice. So you know when this card is good and when this card is surviving, this deck is going to be good because it's pretty good at an enabling you know enabling thing in the ice and the card it's a very powerful effect. Uh, so if we end up in a place where thing in the ice is well positioned, yeah, I think the deck will be fine. I think it's levels beneath where the the modern version was because it just doesn't have the de- Density of one mana spells. Um, but it does have some good inter- early interaction, especially against aggressive decks, you know, Wild Slash and Fiery Temper that generates card advantage while you're doing it. But it just has so many mopey draws that when they, they kill your thing in the ice or they have the piece of graveyard hate to stop your arc like phoenixes, a lot of the time you're spending two, three turns just to, you know, tear through your deck and find the next wave of threats. Whereas when you're playing one mana dig spells to get through your deck, you're finding it probably a turn sooner than you otherwise would uh so i'm not a huge fan of where this deck is going to be uh i think you're uh i do that in particular i think the matchup against mono green was a big part of it um and i just haven't been impressed by the deck in overall against a wider meta game where we're entering so i agree there um the other loser here and, and sort of the subtle splash damage of oath of Nyssa, i think is Kethis combo Right. Before, several people were trying to really work on and hone. Um, you know, you need this huge, like, high density of, of legendary cards so that your, you know, Kethuses are, are online. And Oath of Nyssa was one of those cards. We talked about earlier how in multiple copies it would go to the graveyard. That's great. And it helped dig for your combo pieces. It would find your Lazavs, your Kethuses, your whatever the mill card is. I don't know what that creature's name is. Um, excavator.
0: Yeah. It's okay. um diligent excavator.
1: Yeah. So like it, you know, it increased your consistency significantly. Uh, you know, that deck also played some planeswalkers. You know, sometimes it'll help you cast your Teferi, um, which then might make your, you know, Mox Opal make white mana, because if that's so if that's what you're missing, you can like backdoor your way to white mana for Kethys. Um so uh, I'm I'm now very like, before I was already sort of skeptical of the Kethys deck because I think the the quality of Griever Hate. Is so much higher in uh, this in Pioneer than it is in Standard, and because the format is also faster, the Kethus deck was also forced in Pioneer to become a little bit more linear and thus more vulnerable to that graveyard hate. Um, now, if the format slows down a little bit, maybe we can see it morph back into what it was in Standard, where you know you could get fair with Oko and the other you know disgusting planeswalkers, what have you. So I think that's probably the way you have to go with it now. Uh but that's also gonna be tough on the mana without oath. So uh gonna be a tough one for that deck. Um as far as winters, I mean, you know, it's the card I uh was just talking about and smugglers copter. I I think it's now very clearly one of the you know top few cards in the format. I think aggressive decks uh got a lot better now that the mono green devotion decks are a little bit nerfed. You know, you can get under these green devotion decks now. Whereas before, I think it was really hard to do that. Um and especially Todd's build that was playing for voracious hydra and for walking ballista you know even on their setup turns sometimes they were interacting with you if you're playing cheap creatures uh now you know they're either going to be a turn behind doing that or you know they're not going to follow up their interaction with something right away um and then obviously like it's a little bit easier to navigate games where you don't have to worry about this stupid ridiculous combo so uh, i think aggressive decks get a lot better and copter is just the the starting point for basically every aggressive deck.
0: Yeah. So I was about to say, um, I was hoping you had like a specific deck, you know, that you were like, yeah, this one a hundred percent gets better, because I was gonna say I'm kind of copping out a little bit on my end as well, of being like, What what do I think is a big winner here? And I you say aggressive decks, I gotta agree with you, but I also think a lot of the mid-range decks are big winners here too. Because think about, you know, if you want to play Jund or whatever in modern and Tron just got kind of neutered a little bit in that format. Like, how much better does your deck become? You know, you take out one of your like worst matchups, and you're making it better. So, a lot of the mid range decks in this format, you know, you're thinking of like the soul tie control decks have like abrupt decays and stuff, and they're trying to one for one you down. You don't have to worry about people making you know a 2020 Hydra crisis on turn four because you didn't interact with their land where elves. You know, you don't. You're not having these big over the play top things, and then. You take out that combo piece, like you were talking about that combo deck that can just kill you out of nowhere or just kill you very quickly, and you get to play proactively with your mid range deck, right? You don't have to sit on your removal for multiple turns and not play to the board and play into them now, because now you can play your two drop, right? Now you can play your three drop because you remember the play patterns when uh, Cat was legal. If people played Sahili on turn three, you either had to kill it immediately. Or you had to leave up mana and at least bluff or have a removal spell for a creature for the rest of the game. Otherwise, you could just die at any point in time. And now that that's gone, like you get to see these decks be a little more proactive. You know, they they don't have these natural preys in the format keeping them out. And I'm excited to see like these mid range decks come into the format because if you get good mid range decks and you get good aggressive decks, then then the control decks get better too because they know what they're trying to they're trying to beat right. And you get this like rock paper scissors format, and that's what I want. You know, maybe maybe a combo deck rises up from that and starts, you know, beating that stuff. But you know, everything's cyclical in these formats, like we see, you know, in modern and in standard sometimes when it's healthy, we see that. And I think that these bands are leading us there. So I'm super excited about that. I don't know, because I don't know if you know this. I actually like mid-range decks, even though if you look at the decks that I've been successful with in my career, you're looking at like the super quick tempo decks or the you know, way over the top mana decks like Tron. I I'm secretly I like casting like, you know, uh, just three mana, four mana things that do something and don't like win the game right away. You know, like a four mana planeswalker after like an honest working day's three drop. You know, what I'm trying to, you know, something along those lines.
1: The coarser into C Dryna. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe not C Rhino. I'm not, I'm not so much into C Rhino, but.
1: Well, I despise mid range decks, but I agree with you. I think they got a lot better. We saw Solda mid range was one of the more successful decks in week one, and it was pretty bad in week two. We didn't really see it near the top. You saw a few littered into the top 32 a bit. Um, And, and, you know, a couple sneaking into the top 16, but not the success it had in the week one. I think, you know, the deck sort of got well-tuned, and that makes them a little bit more resilient to just the kill-your-stuff kind of plan. Um, In particular, like, you know, the the, the Saheeli deck has a lot of the same elements as these mid-range decks, but also has that combo, and that false tempo is just so difficult to play against when all you really want to do is grind value. Uh, like you said, hold either it's holding up mana for you know the, the Felidar Guardian, or you know having to play out of sequence in order to make sure that Sahelia is off the battlefield, and then you know being incredibly scared anytime time they get to six mana because they can just combo you out of nowhere. Uh, or, or so th- th- that matchup just ends up being really tough. Because you just don't have that extra angle of attack that the opponent has to keep in mind. And then, you know, with those two decks at the top, you were forced to sort of play the removal spells that match up well against those decks. You know, the Soul Tide decks were up to four abrupt decay and, you know, some fatal pushes for mana creatures and what have you to make sure that they could, you know, answer what was going on. Uh, now, if the metagame's a little bit more uh, diverse, you can also be a little bit. Uh, you know m- more diverse in the removal spells that you play, which in a deck with a ton of card selection between Dig Through Time, Corsair Krupix, Jace Friends Prodigy, that, you know, versatility in your removal suite is r- really nice to have. And it actually ends, you know, normally we think of a, a diverse format being more difficult to prepare for from a reactive side. Here, I think it actually makes it a little bit easier. Because these decks weren't like, you know, 40, 50% of the metagame. They were both about 20%, but they were so powerful that you knew you were going to see them at the end of the tournament, so you better be prepared for them. Now I think you can see, you know, maybe more Assassin's Trophy sneaking in, maybe, you know, some two mana removal, like Cast Down or something in that realm, maybe more Drown in the Lock. Um, you know, if the format slows down a little bit, that card gets better. Uh, And then, you know, you can pick and choose which ones you need off your Dig Through Time, which one you want to flash back off your Jace, things like that. Um, So I I, I like the Sultai decks more than I liked them last week. Uh, I still will never play them because that's just not the kind of magic I play.
0: That makes sense. So kind of leading into the magic that you play and that you do like to play, let's talk a little bit about, you know, where we go from here, because... Uh, in two weeks, there's a pretty big Pioneer tournament going on. We have the uh, SEG content featuring the Invitational. You're going to be playing in it along with hundreds and hundreds of other people. And this is going to be, you know, probably the largest Pioneer involved tournament in the world when it happens. And we're going to be going into a format that might not be solved by then. And hopefully it's not. You know, there's gonna be a lot of things opening. And people are probably going to be trying to conceal some information and stuff, too. So from the competitive side, like, where do you go from here, Ross? Like, I know you have to prepare for this tournament a lot. I'm going to be helping out. You know, I'm going to be playing a lot myself because, A, I like the format. B, I want you to do well. You know, we're going to be talking a lot amongst our team and stuff. But you know, where, where are you starting at? Like, what are you looking at? Like, is anything really getting you going besides Smuggler's Copter? You know, like, how do you even approach a format from here when, you know, we've had so much change today just from this announcement?
1: Uh so there's there's two ways you can go. Uh one way is to find a deck you think was sort of underrated before uh and work on it and see if it's good enough in the new emerging metagame. And there are two decks that I think have been underrated, both aggressive decks. One is Is It in Soul. And I uh by the time you know our listeners are hearing this, uh, I should have an article up on Star City Games about it. Um uh and that's uh, a deck that I, I played a little bit with this weekend. Was impressed with it. Picked up a couple trophies. Tuned the deck a little bit, and you can see a, an updated list there. Uh, the other deck I like is uh, Boros Heroic. I think that deck has is strong enough to contend with. You know, more heavy removal strategies. I think it is uh, also just powerful in its speed uh, and its ability to just you know navigate through blockers and the game quickly. Um, so. those are two that I would look at if I want to go just sort of under the radar decks, try to find something new, but there's a, there's an old mantra in basketball and I haven't talked much about basketball in the show because the jazz had a bad weekend, uh, but we can leave that there. Um, so uh, on an, on a sort of on an inbounds play, a really important one, say the end of the game, you know, 10 seconds left, you know, and, and you're up by one, the other team's inbounding the ball, uh, the, the person that, it's e- that is easiest to forget about is the person who's actually inbounding the ball. And a, a lot of inbounds plays end up getting designed to ho- like take advantage of that, where there's always one read where you can just quick pass back to that guy. Uh, and they can get an open shot. In this case, the, uh, in Magic, after a ban, the place to go to is you know similar things to what just got banned that people think are now nerfed. Uh, now I'm not saying try to play Sahili Rai in your decks. That's not a card that's not a card you should be playing. But there's the other aspect of these cat decks. In reality, the combo just fit nicely into this mid shell. So what's the best goose oko to deck? That's a question you I would ask myself if preparing for this tournament. It's a question I will ask myself. And then with Monogreen, maybe I I won't build a Monogreen devotion deck. Maybe you know Leyline hurts that deck too much. So I think that there, there could be a green devotion deck still. But if a card like Nykthos got banned, say, you know, there wouldn't be a monogreen devotion deck. But you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be a deck that plays four Lanamore Elves, four Elvish Mystic. What are we doing with that? You know, the, there's a, a Simic Stompy deck I'll be playing this week on Versus Live that I think is cool. It has a Love Struck Beast. It has some of copter because the mana creatures can crew if, the, if you don't get the mana, uh, as can the 1 1 with Love Struck Beast. They have 1 1 with Love Struck Beast. And then it plays some other bigger creatures, you know, uh, a questing Beast, which I think is a good one for attacking these Planeswalkers. Uh, you know, Steel Leaf Champion is an option. But then it, it's blue because it plays four Oko and four Stubborn Denial. That's a cool shell.
0: Ooh. Ooh, I actually really like the sound
1: of this deck. Yeah, Sorceress uh, five out of League early in the format. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, four four once upon a time, don't worry. We're following your rule. Okay, uh, good. And then we're, we're also playing three Galta because our pass that really quickly. Uh too, like, to protect that one with Summer Denial, the game ends pretty quickly. So we got the like this sort of snoppy shell. Maybe that's where we want to go with our elves. Maybe we want to go gruel and be casting, you know, uh Gruel Spellbreaker into Questing Beast, into Glorybringer, things like that. Uh but uh, the 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 cards that make the monogreen devotion deck tick, as much as we talk about the really over the top powerful ones like Leyline or nissa or Nycthos, the, the card the reason that deck ticks is because they have eight mana elves. These are, you know. Some of them, honestly, some of the most powerful cards, you know, almost ever printed, at least like green cards. They've been, they're just the bread and butter of so many different decks. Mana creatures are, are just proven things, and we get eight of them in, in green. So there, there's going to be a deck that plays eight, like eight mana creatures. So try to find that deck. What's the, what's the next best one?
0: yeah exactly something along those lines like try to find something proactive i think is one of the best things i could be saying too like nothing against the control decks but if you're not sure what's going on in the format you know you're not sure like what removal spells you should be playing like is straight blue white fine do i need to be playing esper do, like do i need fatal push in my deck stuff like that because i need to be able to go fast you know um not the biggest fan of trying to you know be a slow control deck trying to grind out these decks of if, if if I'm not sure what everybody else is doing. So I think being proactive is a very good plan too, because honestly, I'd rather be asking questions than trying to always have all the right answers in brand new formats. So that's definitely one of the best things I, I think you could be trying to do going into the, uh, the invitational. And I I've said this a few times to people, like I've, I've had people, you know, messaging me like a lot of people like on the SCG tour and stuff. And they're like, you know, like, Hey, what, sh- what should I be doing for the invitational? Like what should I be doing for, for pioneer? What should I be doing? in a the one thing I always tell them uh, besides like, you know, Hey, I think this deck's good. This deck's good, which things change now because of the banning is don't disrespect the red decks. Cause I see a lot of people disrespecting the red decks and a lot of them when they're on the play, they get the goldfish you really hard and they are killing by turn four with a lot of these draws, like Monastery Swiss spear is a card that probably got better in this format, you know, and it's going to be killing people a lot. And um, these decks kill you really fast and have, you know, just possibly one piece of disruption if you're trying to do something. You know, and these red decks match up well against Lammar Elves and stuff too. So that's something to definitely worry about.
1: I agree. And I I think if you look at, you know, the the League of Deck dumps and some of the other results that we've gotten from the format, you saw a lot of different red decks. And And, you know, that doesn't mean just a total volume of red decks. You saw a lot of variance in the way they were built. And I think we're seeing some lists coalesce. Early, it was more a Tarka red. Uh, now, more recently, I've just seen straight mono-red, but we've seen the curves condense. You know, this when the in the first week in that first deck dump, I saw a list playing, you know, three or four hazard or they were playing main deck, uh, Rampaging Ferocidon and Goblin Chain Whirler, because these were cards that were powerful and standard. Now, you know, the list that's fourth place in the most recent challenge, it's all ones and twos and one hazard red. So their curve is condensing, which means they're going to be faster. You know, this is four Swift four SoulScar, four D2 Lava Runner, four Bowman Courier, four wizards of lightning, four wild slash, four light of the stage. All one mana spells. And you know, and just straight mono red, easy mana. I've got four rayonap ruins, a castle in breath, and fourteen mountains. You know, I've got my Smuggler copters, and then the, you know, I get a little bit bigger after sideboard. The same formula we've seen in standard, but with everything condensed because it's a faster, more powerful format. So You know, the Chandra's, the Extra Hazorats, the Chain Whirlers, the Ferocidons, they're all on the board. I think that's a great way to build these, and that just means they're more dangerous, because they're having those triple one-drop starts really often. You know, Canister, top eight this challenge with with Monored as well. Uh, You know, four Shock, four Slash, four Skewer, four Light, and then 12 one-drop creatures. So, similar number of one-minute plays. He's a little bit more burn-heavy in his build, that's fine too. Um... You know, maybe you wanted more Shocks because of all the mana creatures around because of Green Devotion. Maybe that changes, maybe it doesn't. But the point is, like, people are starting to figure out that, like, you know, the the structure of the way you build decks is different in this format than the structure of the way you build decks in Standard. Um, you know, I think I mentioned on our very first show that, you know, copy when copying that structure but updating the cards is a good way to go about things. And I, I think I was wrong there. I think what you had to do was take that and then reduce your curve by a little bit. Um, you know, Mono Blue Devotion back in the day used to play like Biden of Fasa and Jace Architect of Thought in the main. You know, now the the lists that we're seeing in Pioneer, it's four master ways at the top of the curve, and that's it. The extra fours are in the board because we've got extra ones and extra twos that we get to play now, and that just makes our deck a little bit faster and a little bit more consistent in enabling those powerful payoffs. You know, same thing with these red decks. Well, we had good one drops of this like a year X and standard, year Y in standard. Now we got them all. Give me give me all of
0: them. Give me them all. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're going back to the challenge, uh, Clyde the Glide got third place again with that mono black deck that he's been, you know, trying out a lot. You know, it's even got Nick in it, but it's not like a true devotion deck. It's got two Nycthos and then um it's got Grey Merchant. So I guess it is like a real actual devotion deck, but it's not like the number one plan of the deck as well. I mean, it's got the 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 vampire kind of synergy thing going on, you know, before Soren for champion of dusk uh you know for gifted aetherborn a card that might actually you know be getting a little bit better in this format and stuff like that and we see you know him doing well yet again online and i've got to wonder you know is this a deck that's a little underrated plus you know i've I've seen people talking about it like because you know with mono green and cat combo being the best decks i was actually surprised at how not like bad but unimpactful thought sees sometimes seemed like on the draw, you know, they would go like turn one land elves, and you thought sees them in their hand. Just like if you've been able to take the, the land elves, then it mattered or their hand is just redundant, you know? And then the, the Sahili decks, like we said, like all their permanents come into play and replace themselves and search for, you know, other pieces of what's going on in the deck. So thought never really punched a hole in what was going on. And maybe the format is now going into a spot where thought is better. Like if you're playing these these aggressive decks, if you're playing these um, mid range decks. You know you're looking at like, oh yeah, I keep my hand because I'm going to do this on one, this on two, this on three, and then you get thought seized, and all of a sudden your hand just falls apart. You know they take the one card that matters versus what they're doing, and you're not as able to replace it as well as like you know these other decks were in the past. So you know because we said going in we thought thought seized would be a pillar of the format, and it just has not done that yet. We we have we were just wrong. This card has not had the effect on the format that we thought and maybe it's Thoughtseize's time.
1: Yeah, I agree. We, we talked about uh, Oath of Ness in particular being a card that gives these decks a lot of redundancy, not only at finding extra pieces, but you know, it goes along with um, with Once Upon a Time yeah, in doing so, so you have a critical mass of these effects. Now, with fewer of those, it's going to be a lot easier to poke a hole in people's curves. Their decks get a little bit less consistent. Thoughtseize punishes that, so that that's a good point. Thoughtseize uh, definitely should have been mentioned in the winner section. Uh, uh a few minutes ago I'm, I'm looking at this mono black deck and there, there's a card on the sideboard i'm uh enamored with and it is a singleton bolus's citadel that is a nice card with great merchant of asphodel
0: yeah i mean don't forget Gath- uh gifted aetherborn's got lifelink as well you know a couple little pecs here or there you get an extra six points of life that's that can go a long way in a Citadel too. Yeah. So the, the,
1: this shell is cool, and this is the kind of thing that I think we, we get to work on. Um, you know, I, I'm not sold that, although you know, Claude, the glide was doing well in this metagame game where we had, uh, you know, fell out our guardian and mono green devotion running rampant. Uh, so still doing well with those decks around, uh, a deck that could get even better because it's got some powerful synergies. You know, we talked a lot about busted three mana planeswalkers, and Soren is in that category when you have enough, you know, vampires you want around. Champion of Dusk, a gifted Aetherborn, Knight of the Ebon Legion, all really good vampires. You know, you got a couple a little bit worse ones around, two strong Kirk Condemned, two Kalidus, two Drana. Oh, we, we saw three in the original list. Hopefully that number keeps going down. <laughs> now that um though I guess Drana is neat with these two walking blisters that he added. Uh, so that this is this is the kind of act that that could get better and I completely agree that Thoughtseize is a card that should get miles better uh, and hopefully just you know the, the ban of Oath of Nissa and the reduction in Green Devotion should, you know, take green down a notch as a color, and that means fewer Veil vale of Summers. Thoughtseize hasn't really had to run into Veil vale of Summer uh, for that long. It's only been a, a couple months, so, you know, we, we might be just overrating this card in a Veil vale of Summer world, but, uh, you know, there's going to be fewer Veil vale of Summers around in the coming weeks, because green color has taken quite a hit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm a big fan of that card not getting played much. I saw a lot of, you know, a lot of talks on Twitter today about banning that card. I think that's a little too far. I do think the card is kind of messed up and, you know, probably a little too powerful for what it does, but it's it's like whatever. You know what I mean? Like we can we can accept that card as a, an evil in the format. I don't know if it needs to be actually banned, as long as we make it to where the green deck isn't also the best deck, period. You know, it isn't also just running rampant as like this big Tron like menace. Uh, along with that card so it yeah, definitely um i'm super excited to see uh what happens the bands go live tomorrow on magic online and we get deck dumps i think it was like monday and i think it was like thursday i think it was the last one or maybe it was like friday morning i can't
1: remember i so, love that they do a deck dump the morning of and then that afternoon they're like yeah two cards are, three cards are banned
0: nice yeah jump. yeah exactly when they got back when they got back from lunch for anybody who was following on twitter they had lunch gate today so the, the, the Twitter announcement was, oh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about the ban and restricted announcement after lunch. And so, you know, uh, their time. And so like noon goes by and like one goes by and it got to what time was it actually for them when the the ban was finally announced just
1: after six o'clock in the evening eastern. So just after yeah. three o'clock there.
0: So they had a little uh, maybe they meet, maybe the second lunch, you know, for all you Hobbit fans out there or. Um, maybe it was a, a European lunch. They had a little siesta. Yeah. They were maybe maybe they were tossing back a few of those lunch special margaritas got a little out of hand. Uh in, in I heard a lot of good references. So this, this is one of those days that made me really hungry when I was on Twitter. It made me forget about like all, all the good things that happen at restaurants. Like um was it I heard a lot of jokes about is it Applebee's has like endless appetizers or whatever. We're going to give some free, some free marketing sure. here.
1: Never ending possible.
0: Or no, uh, uh the T.J.
1: Fridays. Yeah. And, and then, then the, never ending uh, possible. Olive garden.
0: Yeah. So the breadsticks and pasta is, is it breadsticks and salad or breadsticks. And, I don't know. I haven't been doing Olive garden probably. like. Then, well, there's,
1: there's unlimited soup salad breadsticks and there's another promotion. That's the never ending possible where you do like, you get your choice of pasta, your wait. choice of sauce. And wait wait, and that's, that's, mixing. A, that's a thing. Yeah, they don't have it all the time. It, it's like the McRib; it comes in and goes.
0: Okay, so that's another thing I've never had. By the way, just, I'm just going to throw that one out there. I've never had a McRib, probably never will. But l- l- I'm, I'm I'm still flabbergasted by this pasta thing. Let's go back for a minute. You, you're telling me that I can go there and order pasta, and then when I'm done, I can order more pasta for the same price.
1: Yeah, and you can switch it up. Uh, you have to you have to pay extra money if you want to also be able to get some meat on your pasta. Is my understanding right? Well, like you could try. Like, okay, I want you know spaghetti and marinara sauce. And then once you're done with that plate, you're like, oh, "I want fettuccine alfredo this time," and they bring you fettuccine alfredo. And then you're like, oh, "I want penne with a pesto sauce," and then they bring you that.
0: And then you just keep. Going. So you, you just never, you just never want to move again after eating this meal. Is what yeah, I'm hearing. I, you just want to get a huge carbo overload. Yes,
1: I, I eat ate it once as a kid, and uh, after the second or third one, they start bringing you significantly smaller plates of pasta.
0: Right. Well, I mean that just makes sense, but that just—I think I, I think I had three or four. Wow, just I'm I'm just like I'm sure people at home are gonna have fun with just how flabbergasted I am by this, but <laughs> it shows you how little I eat at like chain restaurants and stuff, but or, or fast food. But the McRib, another one that I've just never understood uh, or gotten. But I think that was like, well, so yeah, there were some other good jokes. There, I mean, like I think Twitter was just mono food jokes today, and we're not talking about the Simic deck and standard that's running the format. It was just all about lunch today. So it was it was a pretty like if you had um, trending stuff for for empty like just a magic twitter it would have just been the word food or just the word lunch today
1: oh man uh, i should have made a joke about the uh you know the scene in the simpsons when uh skinner has superintendent chalmers to his house for lunch and he burns the pot roast and then runs over to the crusty burger to you know and tries to pass it off as his own cooking and eventually like you just like Keeps making up, you know, more and more lies as uh, Chalmers keeps finding it out, and eventually a fire starts in the kitchen, and he tries to claim that it's aurora borealis. Uh, No, but wow! (laughs) That 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 scene starts with "I hope you're ready for an unforgettable luncheon," and I I could have made a joke about that. I I, I saw that on some Twitter clout.
0: It reminds me of um, what was the name of the, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. When they were, they were having over an influential person and they were like trying to impress them and they're going to have them over for dinner and will like burns the entire kitchen down. <laughs> so they have to like, they have to like, uh, they have, like
1: that's not something to laugh at.
0: Yeah. And so they have this, like this divider, like blocking the kitchen. Right. And so instead of, uh, being able to cook, they just have to, like order in. Right. And the guy apparently like really loves barbecue or chicken or something. I can't remember what it is. Cause I remember they have chicken and they they order it in for some place and they get you know like spicy chicken The chicken's like covered in spices it's supposed to be really really good right and um when they're about to bring it out and you know will's running around like a crazy person like trying to make it all work right and the guy that they're trying to impress is like oh i don't like spicy food and will just freaks out grabs all the chicken and just like turns the faucet on and starts just like putting the chicken under the faucet So the spices like come off of the chicken or whatever. And then they serve it. You see, everyone takes a bite of it and they all have the face of like, Oh my God, what is this? This is disgusting. And the guy just loves it. Right. The, the, the person trying to press is just enamored with this chicken. And he's just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever, I've ever had. And then he's like, I have to congratulate the chef or whatever. They're like, no, don't go in the kitchen. And he goes in and it's just, you know, burned down. And he's like, if your chef can make this food in this kitchen, he's like, You're the kind of guy I want to be in. You know, it just ends up working out, obviously, because it's a TV show. But all right, we're going on quite a little uh, tangent here about food and TV shows.
1: I think if there's anything the two of us can go on a long tangent about, it's food. When we talked about oh, yeah. tacos and pupusas and baleadas earlier, now we're on, you know, random lunch things. I don't know.
0: Speaking of that, speaking of that, I so I used to do another podcast, and there's a very popular thing on it where we talked about the food coming up in the cities that we'd be visiting. And I think we could do it on this week's episode and possibly next week's because it's leading into SCG Con at the Invitational. I think we should start talking about like some of the good places to go eat at in Roanoke. Because um something you know people might not know is I almost worked for SCG multiple times. Like, and, and one of the big things for me that you know kept me from doing it was I would have to move to Roanoke. At the time, you know, you and I weren't really like we knew of each other, but we weren't really friends yet. And the parts of Roanoke that I had been around and interacted with, I was not super impressed with. And I thought the food wasn't very good. And the two places I've lived the most of my life are Baton Rouge, Louisiana and Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Two places that are very much known for how good their food is. And so if the food isn't good around me, I'm going to be like kind of, you know, sad. And I've got to say that Roanoke has really grown on me the last couple of times I've been. Because, honestly, I've just been like, Ross, where are we going to eat? You know? And uh, I was about to say, um, usually you, you bring us a lot to the, like, the, the the downtown area that's like kind of walkable from your place. Yep. Um, so, a couple things. What was the name of the bar where we got burgers and they had like, fried Oreos and stuff? Jack Brown's. All right. So, Jack Brown's. Uh, very simple, like, salt of the earth kind of bar. Bar food. But the burger was unbelievably good. The price was very palatable. And they had fried Oreos for dessert. So if you've never had that, that's actually like pretty great. And again, the price was really, really good. The fries were good, which I'm, I'm big into burger places like that. Um, what about the the breakfast places we went right they there?
1: Nothing but burgers, fries, and fried Oreos. There,
0: that is all you get. Is that, is that really actually all they do? I didn't even look at the menu. I just yeah. got what you told me to get. Yeah, the menu. All right. Let's let's do a, let's let's talk about a few more places, and then we can get some more on, on next week's episode too. Um, uh, what was the what's the what's the place you get the pastries and stuff at? It's like some grains place or something. Breadcraft. Yeah, Breadcraft. That's it.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's one of my popular places to stop if uh, I don't have time in the morning before versus live. I wake up late uh, and I've got to get in. I, I head downtown, uh, which is where the bus station is anyway, and I I, uh, I stop in there for a croissant and if I have time a, a slice of quiche and then I head up to CG from there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's a, just a very good bakery. Uh, their croissants are out of this world. Like, the, the cl- very easily the closest thing I've had to a croissant in Paris. Uh, and I, I've had croissants in Paris. I went to the broker there. Same. Uh, so, so I have a basis for comparison. Uh, they are really, really good. Uh, and the, the quiche is good. Also, um, they have the best salad I've ever had in my entire life. That's hyper. Yeah, it's like the and, and yeah, and as you know, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, so, uh, it's it's their seasonal salad, uh, and basically, most of it stays the same. Uh, basically, the only thing that's seasonal about it is what berries they use. Uh, but there's like some berries, usually strawberries. Sometimes you get blueberries. Sometimes blackberries. Uh, but usually, like some some berry. But it's just like mixed greens tossed in sort of a light vinaigrette. Uh, or like dressing, there's not really a, a vinegary bite to it, uh, but it's like slivered almonds. There's some goat cheese in there. There's pickled onions, uh, but it's just all tossed really well, and it, it's just it's so good, and it's huge.
0: All right, all right. Recommend uh, a Mexican place uh, or Hispanic food, Latin food. Yeah. Uh, Tacos Rojas, okay. a convenience store that
1: is basically turned into a restaurant. You know, I first went there about three years ago. When I went there, they had three tables inside and three or four rows of, you know, the aisles for a convenience store. And now they have zero of those rows. They basically just have the, you know, snacks up by the register and the drinks in the cooler. Uh, there might be like, there might be one like shelf somewhere and like 10 tables inside. Uh, and they've also, uh, there's actually a second location now that's closer to the site. So downtown, there's a, a building called the City Market Building that uh, is sort of popular for lunch for people who work downtown because it's sort of like a food court. You walk in, there's like six or seven different businesses um, that all ha- have a window. And so you can go up to whichever one you want. And then there's a big seating area in the middle. And they, there was an open, um, open stall in the City Market Building when a, the hot dog place closed. And Tacos Rojas bought that open stall they opened a month ago or so. So they have a second location. They it's just a it's a Mexican family that makes tacos. They're some of the best tacos. They're certainly the best tacos I've had outside of border states. You know, if you're in Texas or San Diego or you know Arizona, yeah, like you're so you're basically you're just in Mexico uh, because those states are formerly part of Mexico.
0: All right. One more, one more recommendation, and we'll get some more next week. Let's do Italian. Italian,
1: okay. Uh, once again, downtown. The place is called Fortunato.
0: Oh, I've been here. This place is this place is great, actually. Yeah.
1: yeah. If you're getting in early, if you're getting in Wednesday, go there for dinner on Wednesday night. It's half price pizza night. The pizzas are. Uh, if you're hungry, you can eat one yourself, but you got to be pretty hungry. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty easy to split between two people. Uh, about that size. And normally they're priced anywhere from like 14 to 18, but on Wednesday, if you dine in, you can't carry out. But if you dine in, you get a half price. So you get a pizza for like seven, eight bucks. That is excellent. Now uh, I'm from the pizza belt, that ranges from northern New Jersey to Providence, Rhode Island, uh, where you know the best pizza is from. So when I moved to Roanoke, the one thing that I was very skeptical to try was Italian food and pizza so I knew this place existed and I just didn't go for like the first year I lived in Roanoke and then I started with, with this like craving pizza so badly I was like okay I'll try it I was like this is really good uh unfortunately that we're not here in the spring they they have a for like a month in the spring they have a special pizza that is unbelievable it has like ramp pesto and grilled lemon like there's this lemon on it and um and fresh ricotta and oh god it's so
0: tell you what since i'm probably not coming to scg con winter let's be real i'm, I'm not going <laughs> i'm planning on not going unless something crazy someone's like hey man here's like 500 bucks get there and, you know i might be able to you know talk myself to it i am pretty attentively uh set to go to the next one in spring so we'll make sure we get some pizza while I'm there. yeah
1: hopefully they have it still in june sometimes it's gone by then but i'll i'll keep an eye out yeah. for it and i, I know a cool. lot of the people that work there so <laughs>
0: Awesome. I'm looking super looking. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling with talking today. If anyone has noticed, I'm a little, I'm a tiny bit under the weather and I'm a little bit tired. So uh, I think that we're going to have to uh, start winding this one down. Um, Ross, if people wanted to find you and listen to more of your musings about, you know, communism, the Utah Jazz or Magic the Gathering, where would they do that?
1: You can find me on Twitter. I am at Ross Hunneds, that is R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, and get at me on there. I try to respond when people you know, ask me questions or whatever. So that's sort of my public-facing social media. Uh, you can also read my articles. They go live on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern on StarCityGames.com. Or you can watch a Versus Live show I do with Corey Baumeister on Twitch.tv slash StarCityGames. That airs Tuesdays and Thursdays afternoon afternoons from 1 to 4 p.m eastern uh if you watch it live you can ask questions in the chat we will answer them live um or uh if you can't catch it live because you know you have work or what some other obligation uh they do go on youtube the tuesday shows go on to the youtube channel on fridays and the Thursday shows go up the following monday so you can catch those on uh youtube as well maybe leave a comment there we periodically go through and check those
0: absolutely and if you wanted to find some more stuff for me or just listen to more of my musings i talk a lot about sports and magic myself on my twitter that's at the Tannen grace so you can find me there if you wanted to follow more about the cast uh, the cast also has a twitter at cast pioneer you can also search for pioneer cast both of them will uh, pull it up on twitter especially if you have any like friends in common with us the algorithm finds us really really easily Um, on there, you'll find a bunch of links, especially in the captions or whatever you'll find link to SoundCloud. That'll give you the very first, uh, usually one of the first places we put up, uh, the podcast every week. It's one of the quickest ones that uploads it. All the other ones sometimes take a, a day or two, but you can definitely find some more links in there if you want. Also, if you want to talk to us some more, we have a discord. It's the pioneer cast discord, and it's been going off in there since day one, as Ross can say, like he kept talking about the numbers. He's like, is this good? We have this many people like being active in here. It's pretty great. Um, we have a bunch of different sections in there, you know, all kinds of stuff. We're not just talking about pioneer. We have standard modern legacy conversations are going on all day long about every one of those. You want to get in there and talk to people about your brews or, Hey, I got this like really competitive tournament coming up. What do you think I should do? Like, what about this last card? My sideboard Ross and I are pretty active in there. Um, kind of tying both of those together. The cast also has a Patreon. We've already been so humbled by how much support we've gotten over the first couple of weeks. And I just got to say thank you. You guys are awesome. You guys and girls are awesome at home helping us out because what we do isn't free. Uh, We actually had to pay for the uh, the sound recording stuff today. And we do have an editor, Brent. You're great. Uh, We do have an editor that works tirelessly to make sure the show sounds much better than Ross and I could ever imagine us doing ourselves. So we do have to kind of help him. So any help is super appreciated. You know, just cost you about what you would pay for a starbucks run at some point in time in the month right now we have two and five dollar tiers with some pretty cool uh, perks and more perks coming down the line but one of the perks is there is a patreon channel in the pioneer cast discord and ross and i are definitely a little more active in that one than some of the other ones not saying we're not active in those but we definitely pay a little you know special attention into the people that are our patreons in there and uh, they've been having some cool conversations in there today they've been going off about the bands and like how they think it's you know going to shape the format and stuff from there so uh, i'm really interested to go through and read some of that before bed and get my uh two cents in somewhere and realize where i might have been wrong because there's some smart people in here with some good ideas but um yeah if you can help us make sure that you do we'd really appreciate it. if you can't we definitely understand that so listening is another way that you can help us so make sure you keep doing that and we're going to be back every week to tell you more and more about pioneer see you guys and girls next week